Matthew 3, 13 through 17. If you got your Bible open, say amen. amen. If you're about to read it off the screen, say amen. amen. Hey, you can double tap the home button and you can get out of Instagram and go to the Bible app. It's quicker like that. Um, <laughs> anyways. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And this is where we're really going to hang the nail today. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. Are you guys happy that we live under open heavens? You can, you can put your name in there. And the heavens were open to Junior. Isn't that good? And the heavens were opened to Stephen. Isn't that good? I like that. And he saw. We could do another message on that right there. And he saw. Notice he didn't just hear it. How many of you guys are tired of hearing about the Spirit of God? You'd like to see the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm happy about your testimony. But I want a testimony for myself. I'm ready today. Y'all can tell. I'm loaded right now. Uh, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Everybody say, like a dove. It's important. And coming to rest on him. Everybody say, rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So, instead of praying a prayer, we'll sing a prayer, all right? So I just want to invite you, just for a minute, just close your eyes, tilt your head up towards heaven. Junior's going to just sing out a chorus, and I invite you to sing with him, but here's what I would like you to do. Just focus your love and your affection upon Jesus for a moment. And just do it long enough, you'll, you'll receive love right back, and you'll feel it. You'll know it. You'll be able to acknowledge it. And just as we get started here, let's all participate in this same moment. Let's just receive the Holy Spirit. Just for a moment. Just let, let's receive the Holy Spirit. Just 
stay there just for a moment longer with your eyes closed and just receive the Holy Spirit. God is here. He's just before you now. And He gives you all of His love. He gives you all of His goodness. He gives you all of His peace. He gives you all of His blessing. He gives you all of His attention. He gives you all of His focus. You know, one time I was praying and talking to the Lord about doing what we're doing right now with Him. And I said something to God. I was like, God, you know, but aren't you really busy? Like, you got a lot of stuff to do. You just want to hang out with me? And uh, I got this picture. And Jesus took a piece of paper out of his pocket, passed it over to me, and he said, there's my schedule. And there's just my name on it. He was like, I just cleared it for you. This is the best thing that I could do. This is my favorite thing to do. If I don't do anything else today, today is successful. I hung out with my son. I hung out with my daughter. I don't have anything else to do. Fam, can I tell you, Jesus just cleared his schedule for you this morning. Just for you. He has cleared his whole day just for you. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> That's why we choose to bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. That's good. Sounds good. Y'all sound much better than me. Sing it again. turn to the person next to you say God is here turn to the person on the other side say God is here God is here so let's just try this out you just hang out with me and we'll see what happens <laughs> maybe it's not a good idea because then I'll try singing again and you see how I came in on the right beat? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I was in the right key, though? Let's go. So this is a good moment. This is a good moment, not just right now, but in the Scripture. This is a real good moment. Jesus, you know, he is on his journey, right? Preparing to begin his ministry. And uh, he gets to this point where he needs something more. Now, we can't forget Jesus is God. Everybody say amen. amen. So the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of Jesus. But in this moment of Jesus's life, he needs something more to accomplish the assignment 
that is upon his life, which is to be baptized, to fulfill all righteousness. And he needs the Holy Spirit, not just on the inside of him as God, but he needs the Holy Spirit up on him as the Messiah. So he goes to his cousin, John the Baptist, and John baptizes him in the River Jordan. And as he comes up out of the water, immediately the scriptures say that the heavens were opened before him and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Everybody say, like a dove. And it started to rest upon Jesus. And here's the good news. It didn't fly away again. It never left. The Holy Spirit rested and the Holy Spirit remained. Now, how many of you guys have been baptized? Good handful of you. If you haven't, this passage of scripture should inspire you to sign up for the next baptism. Amen? Amen. How many of you guys could acknowledge, I know what that's like. I have had an experience with God where the Holy Spirit has rested upon me. Just wave at me if you've had that experience. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had that experience as well. But you know what experience I think I have often? Not just the Holy Spirit, like a dove flying down and resting upon me, but flying off. <laughs> like, yo, I can't hang out with you anymore. At least not right now. Like, you're acting crazy. I <laughs> said, none of y'all are going to admit that either. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I got a few witnesses, right? But the crazy thing is that it never flew away from Jesus. Is that Jesus became, and this is the title of the sermon today, Jesus became a host of the Holy Ghost. It, it rhymed on purpose. All right. Don't like, don't let the Holy Ghost, that word intimidate you because it means the exact same thing as Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit's the exact same thing. Just want to clarify because sometimes I think when we say Holy Ghost, it gets a little intimidating. Yeah. It's a little scary, but it, it's the same thing. So everybody say, we got it. We got it. But Jesus, in this moment, he became a host of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and it rested upon him. It rested, and it remained upon him, and it stayed upon him. And we, as Christians, who are purposed to be Christ-like, right? I mean, that's the definition of becoming a Christian, is that you become Christ-like. Would you guys agree with that? So if Jesus could host the Holy Ghost... If the Holy Spirit would land upon Jesus and remain, if Jesus could entertain the presence of God consistently and continually, then we as Christians are called and are capable and have been given legal permission to host the Holy Ghost in the exact same way that Jesus hosts the Spirit of God. I know we sin. I know we've fallen short. I know we mess up. I know we make mistakes. I know we've had experiences where the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit seems to go. But here's the thing. What Jesus Christ paid for on the cross for you was so that you could host the Holy Spirit at any given time and at any given place. And when I talk about hosting the Holy Spirit, I know that that might seem a little mystical, right? Like it might seem a little out there. But really, here's what I mean. When I say host the presence of God, here's what I'm talking about. Having a continual awareness of God's presence. I'm talking about knowing that God is here. I'm talking about knowing that God's in the room. I'm talking about no matter where you go, knowing like, man, God's here. Right? No matter where you go, you're like, I feel what's on God's heart right now. Like, I'm in the darkness, but on the inside, like, I can feel what God is speaking and what God wants to do, right? No matter where I go, no matter where I walk, I, I, just, I just have this continual awareness of God's presence. And I think that's what Paul meant when he said, you know, pray always, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. It's not that you're always down on your knees, like, you know, in prayer. It's that you have a consistent and continual awareness, awareness of the presence of God. That's what praying without ceasing looks like. I, have you guys ever heard of Brother Lawrence? You know, he's a mystic, right? He was a monk. And he wrote in his book, The Practice of the Presence of God, that whether he was in prayer or he was washing the dishes, it was all the same. 
because he had such a continual awareness of the presence of God that he had the same experience with the Holy Spirit as he was in church, as he was like, you know, like when you, like when you left a rice cooker on too long and you're like, it just, you got to let it soak. You know what I'm saying? And my wife hates when I let it soak. Cause I'm like, I get in the morning, I let it soak. You know what I'm saying? My wife hates that, you know, but whether you're doing that, you know, or, <laughs> or whether you're here, you just like, you're aware. You know, how, how often do we forget, man, like that God's right here, that, that he's right with us, right? And that's what it means to host the presence of God. This is what Jesus showed us how to do. This is what Jesus received at his baptism. And it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, like a dove. That's very interesting because this artistic expression, this depiction, this creative manifestation of the Holy Spirit actually serves as a teacher for us in that it describes what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit's like a dove. Now, I don't know how many of you guys in here are aviculturist. That means that you raise birds. I Googled that this week. But raising doves or knowing about doves or hanging out with doves, like, there's some very interesting facts there. And I started to think about, okay, well, why would the Holy Spirit depict himself as a dove? You know, what is it about doves? You know, I'm getting on, I'm getting on Google. And... I started to read a couple of things and take a few notes and think about why the Holy Spirit might do that. And the first thing I thought, honestly, was not about doves today or the study of birds or anything like that. I just thought about the Hebrew history. I was like, okay, if you're watching this and Jesus is being baptized and the Holy Spirit descends and heaven opens up and it's like a dove, like, why would that be awesome? Well, it would be awesome because doves in this culture, in this society, are incredibly special and sacred because doves are actually offered at the temple as an acceptable sacrifice received by God as worship. So when the, the dove descends upon Christ in some sense, I believe, this is my opinion, he is pointing to Christ to say, this is an acceptable sacrifice. You know, the dove is sacred. Like the dove, the dove was what was offered by Mary and Joseph at Jesus's dedication. They gave some doves at his birth and in his rebirth, there was a dove that was given to him. The dove of the Holy Spirit that came upon him. But man, that's fascinating. That is so interesting. Consider this, Noah, you guys remember the story of Noah and the ark, right? Noah opens up the hatch at the top of the, at the top of the ark. And after this big flood, he releases a dove, right? And then the dove flies around and it looks for a place to land. The dove has always been looking for a place to land. Can I tell you? Are we going too deep too fast here? Is this like, can I say it like this? The dove is looking for a place to land. And the dove flew around, right? And it found a place of peace and took an olive branch. And it came back and said, here you go. It's safe. You can leave the ark now. I thought, man, that's pretty cool. That, 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 that A Jewish person who may have been witnessing Jesus be baptized from the shoreline may have been thinking about the story of Noah that he heard in temple as he watched this dove descend upon the Messiah. I thought, that, that, that's pretty cool. Or how about this? Maybe a Jewish person would have read the Song of Solomon. And if you're, if you're, not, if you're under 13, you can't read that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's PG-13. But in there, all throughout that story, dove, 
is used as a term of endearment. It's a romantic term. So could it be that the father is romancing the son by bestowing a dove, you know? Start calling my wife that. Dove. Isn't that beautiful? But, you know, I think that the reason why the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove here is not only because the dove is sacred to Hebrew people, but I think one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove here is because doves are sensitive. And can I tell you this? The Holy Ghost is sensitive. People talk about the feminine side of God, the Holy Spirit, and I think that's a great articulation, you know, because they, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying all women are more sensitive. I don't want to get myself into trouble here. But I just noticed that sometimes we, you know, make God so masculine that he's the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is, but he is also the sensitive dove, the romantic, the intimate the tell me the long story dove yeah you guys know what I'm talking if you're married you really know what I'm talking about yeah that's it I mean sometimes I say to my wife am I listening or am I fixing you see what I'm saying so like, no you're listening right now you ain't fixing anything so I'm like okay God is like that too he just wants to be with you right So the sensitive dove of the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. And doves, in fact, are pretty sensitive. You know that word I dropped to you earlier, that $10 word, aviculturist? I actually YouTubed it to learn how to say it, to share it in this message. (laughs) Aviculturist. It's it's somebody who raises birds, right? And uh, if you you do a little research, I I found this guy. He's been an aviculturist for over 50 years, and he raises doves, right? And his name is Pete Cantrell. And Pete, uh, he had this to say about doves, is that doves and pigeons are from the exact same family. Exact same family. But they have completely different temperaments. So there was a reason why God was not depicted as a pigeon. But a dove. So much more sacred, so much more special, so much more sensitive. I think that's pretty cool. Here's what, here's what Pete said about, I know Pete on a first name basis now, but here's what Pete said about, <laughs> about doves um, and in contrast to pigeons. He said, doves are peaceful, but pigeons are belligerent. Doves never fight, but pigeons fight all the time. Doves can't really stand people, but pigeons don't mind noise and activity. Now, how often have you given a french fry to a pigeon, right? That, that happens pretty common, you know, especially in a public park or someplace. You can just throw some food, pigeon, come right over and eat it, right? You ain't never done that with a dove. Because they don't, they're not around noise and activity. Is this helping you guys as much as it's helping me? They're not, they're not around hustle and bustle. This is a more peaceful environment, more peaceful atmosphere to the the dove gravitate towards pigeons on the other hand they don't care about noise and activity get this doves are never territorial but pigeons are extremely territorial doves cannot be trained but pigeons can how inconvenient that we can't train the holy spirit to do what we think that he ought to do isn't that inconvenient You know why he can't do that? Because the Holy Spirit's not an idol. Because the Holy Spirit's God. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit's passionate about you being transformed. Right? Not you dictating to the Holy Spirit what you need him to do so that you can have more breakthrough. But by and large, I mean, I know that that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a dig, right? And we're a, we're a culture, we really like challenge. It's, it's fun. I love it. It's awesome. Um, but, you know, 
I think in our moment, like our cultural moment, like church as we know it right now in America, I mean, I've been an American Christian my whole life for the most part, so I'm getting to learn, you know, a little bit about American Christianity. And for the most part, we don't read the Bible looking for the dove. You know what I'm saying? And, and you might, but I say by and large, like I don't think we really read the Bible looking for presents, but we read the Bible looking for principles. You guys get what I'm saying? We read the Bible looking for something to tweet versus we read the Bible uh, for something to just rest on and just, you know, sit back and, and enjoy. You guys know what I'm talking about? But the way that Jesus lived, the way that Jesus showed us how to live was so much more about presence than we tend to observe when we read through the scriptures. In fact, Jesus understood that he needed to disciple his disciples in how to steward presence and not just principles. Because I don't know if you guys have checked, but if sharing good principles was going to change the world, the world would already be changed. But when we focus so much on principle, focus so much, just give me, just give me the points, pastor. We don't even read blogs anymore. We just read points. Even though there are a thousand words, we only read 10. We just read the five points that we need to follow that will fit on an index card that we can post on our dashboard that if we do them every day, we'll get breakthrough. You guys get what I'm saying, right? And so oftentimes we bring that into our Bible study if we read the Bible at all. We're just looking for a success equation rather than intimate relations. So we look for these principles and not just for the presence, but that's what Jesus did. Jesus embodied this way of life that was to host the Holy Ghost and he's inviting us into it as well. He's actually showing us how to live in such a way where we can host the sensitive dove of the Holy Spirit and that it would remain upon us. You guys believe that? How many of you guys would like to have a more consistent, conscious awareness of God? To where that you woke up every day and the first thing you felt was God is here. Where you went to sleep and maybe you woke up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. And the first thought you had was God is here. Or maybe you're on your job and you have a very chaotic environment that you work in. And even in the midst of that storm, you could sleep on the bow of the boat and you could say, God is here. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a presence awareness, not a principle confession. Right? The devil is not afraid of a word you don't believe. Right? So just shouting principles into the darkness is not going to calm the storm. Right? We've got to have a presence that our soul is anchored in that when the storm starts to move, we fluff our pillow. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, okay. I'm going to go take a nap. And then after that, I'm going to eat. I'm going to wake up and eat. Isn't that the best thing? You wake up from a nap, then you eat. Isn't that the best thing? Like Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? You wake up and you eat some more. And, and, and honestly, I mean, you check out like, you know, a psalm where it says like, when the presence of the enemy show up, that a table's been set before us. So... All I'm saying is when your enemies show up, it's a signal that it's time to eat. That's an extra. But I want you guys to look at one verse of Scripture. Uh, Well, two, maybe three. The Bible is good. Amen? In John 14, 17, Jesus said something to his 12. Everybody say the 12. Jesus said something to his 12. This is his closest circle of friends. And he's walking and talking with them one day. And he begins to talk a little bit about hosting the presence of God. He says, even the spirit of truth, John 14, 17. He'll be on the the screen. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Right? 
He's dwelling with you now, and in the future, He's going to be in you. Right now, He is with you. Right now, I am with you. Right now, you're watching me host the presence of God. Right now, you're learning to work with the Holy Spirit. But in the future, at a later time, you're going to be born again. Not just of water, but you're going to be born again of Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not just going to be with you. The Holy Spirit's going to be in you. Right. So he's talking to a group of friends that are not even born again yet. And he's telling them, look, I need you guys to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit. It's important that you learn to work with the Holy Spirit, because I don't want you to miss this emphasis on working with the Holy Spirit. One day you'll have the Holy Spirit in you, but you need to know how to keep the Holy Spirit upon you. I I just think this is so fascinating. Because Jesus is teaching it inversely than we would. We're, we're so passionate. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm confessing a principle. I'm saved. I'm born again. I said the prayer. The Holy Spirit's in me. But Jesus was like, hey, hey, look, I want you to be focused on keeping the dove upon you. I want you to learn how to abide in the presence of God. I want you to develop a constant awareness of the presence of God. I want you to do ministry and do life and do work and go about doing family in such a way where you have this continual awareness of the presence of God that you've learned by watching me, you've learned how to work with the Spirit of God. Because I'm going to put the Spirit in you, but I need you to learn how to work with the Spirit. Because there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be here anymore. And that day is actually going to be better for you because you're going to have the Holy Spirit in you and not just have the Messiah around you. But I need you to learn how to work with the Spirit. Does this make sense to you guys? God wants us to host the dove, right? The dove's still looking for a place to land. But unfortunately, I think we've exchanged the opportunity to host the presence of God with a profession that, well, Spirit's in me. You guys with me? So there was even a time as Jesus' followers began to grow in number, right? He's walking, talking, doing ministry. And because the Holy Spirit is resting upon him, there is power that is being released from him. People are being healed. I mean, the dead are being raised. The lepers are being cleansed. Blind eyes are opening up. Deaf ears are popping open. I mean, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And things are going incredibly He started to show his disciples, this is how you steward the presence. This is how you walk in the presence. And so as the followers begin to grow in number, and there's 70 or 72 uh, leaders that he chooses, and he says, I'm now going to send you guys out, and you're going to go and do what I've been doing. Now to us, as we read that, we start to think principles, right? Well, it's obvious that Jesus is sending these 70 out, and, and he's sending them out, with a PowerPoint presentation of the principles of the kingdom of God that they're going to go to unreached people groups and set up these lecterns and share these truths. That's where our minds go, right? I mean, I don't know if yours goes there, mine goes there, because that's the way, by and large, that we have been doing missions for quite some time. We go to another country, we have a meeting, we set up a bunch of chairs, and we say, listen to me, because I'm coming to you with some truth. Right, And so for a long time, this has become the point of our gatherings is to listen to a message when the when really I think I think the point of our gatherings is the presence of a person, which is Jesus. I'm going against the grain right now, ain't I? A little bit. So 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 Jesus says, hey, look, I'm going to send you guys out. And, and he says to the 70, and you can turn there if you'd like real quick, or we'll have it on the screen, Luke 10, 3 and 6. He said, hey, look, I'm going to send you out, and everything that I've been doing, you're going to do it as well. But here's how I want you to go. I want you to go your way, behold, because I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Time out. Time out. Time out, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, man. Time out. Right? You already been talking about doves, Right? And now you're talking about lambs. What is up with these peaceful animals? And you're going to send me out into the midst of wolves? Wolves are going to rip me apart. This is a dangerous assignment. And Jesus is like, go. I'm going to send you out as lambs. That's another peaceful, kind, sensitive animal. And, and you're going to go out in the, in the midst of wolves. And, and so, you know, I'm sure there may have been a few other people. Maybe he tried to send more than 70. 
Maybe, maybe there were 500 listening. We don't know. You know what I mean? But how many of you guys would sign up for a short-term mission trip if I said, guys, we're going to go to this place and we're all going to go out as lambs among wolves? You know, there's a few people that would step up and they said, nah, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not called to that. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe they're like, I, I, I'll sow into your trip. I'm not going, but I'm going to bless you to go. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But the next line, Jesus said, nah, keep your money. Because these guys who are about to go out, they're going to carry no money back. There's more people stepping back now. Hold on, wait just a second. You, you telling me you haven't worked out a budget for us, Jesus? You, you mean to tell me you're going to send me into a dangerous place and you're not going to let me take any money? I just, uh, my PayPal link just went live. <laughs> I, I, need, I need some, like, how am I going to afford the, the travel expenses? Like, how am I going to, and Jesus said, no, 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 don't take a money bag. Uh, okay, okay, all right, all right, Jesus, man, you're, wa- okay, all right. Let me get, I ain't going to take my money bag, but let me get my bags. Put my, my food in there because I got those snacks I like. A lot that I couldn't live without on a mission trip. I need those. So I'll put those in there. And then, you know, I'll probably need a few extra uh, pairs of underwear. So I'm going to put those in there as well. And Jesus said, no, no, I don't want you to take a knapsack either. Which I think is the equivalent of a weekender. (laughs) And uh, Jesus said, no, no, no. You're going to leave that too. What? I'm going to leave my... My bag? Yeah, you're going to leave that bag too. All right. Man, I don't know about this. I don't know about leaving my bag like this. Hey, um, also, you're not even going to take an extra pair of shoes. You're not going to take a spare of anything. You are just going to pick a friend. How many of you guys know that's already a miracle right there? To choose a friend to do ministry with. And then you're going to go out and you're going to do these things that I've called you to do. Jesus essentially removed every single element that they could have built their ministry on in order to have good meetings and teach great principles. Jesus said, I'm going to strip all those things away. And I'm not going to let you take anything that you could build a faulty foundation on. But I am going to let you take something. Better yet, I am going to let you take somebody. And that somebody is the same sensitive dove that descended upon me when I was baptized. That somebody is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to go with you and you're going to do these righteous works of ministry because I'm training you, I'm discipling you, I'm teaching you. Even when you don't have everything that you think that you need to have successful ministry, you got the Spirit. Even if you don't have the right budget and enough money, you got the Spirit. Even if you're going into a dangerous place, the safest place is on the front lines in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't have the food that you like to eat, don't worry, you got the Spirit. Even if you don't have a backup pair of jeans and you can't dress nice when you speak, don't worry, you have the Spirit. And what you have in the Spirit, you have the greatest equalizer that humanity has ever witnessed because honestly, who doesn't want to be around the Spirit? You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, coolness, at some point, there's a shelf life on coolness. You know what I'm saying? Like, some, one day, you ain't going to be cool anymore. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble. One day, you ain't going to be cool no more. I feel like I'm approaching that day. You know what I'm saying? It's, I, I know. I, I, some of you guys are like, oh. It's, I'm not. It, it wasn't like a. But if that's what ministry, if that's where the basis of our ministry, the foundation is built on the cool, you know what I, you know what I mean? As we, as we get a little older, get a little wiser, then nobody follows, right? 
It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you carry the presence of God, people want to be around you. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you walk in the presence of God and you steward the Holy Spirit, people will listen to you preach. I'm telling you, it's the greatest equalizer. It is the greatest catalyst. It doesn't matter how inexperienced you are. If you've never built a business before, people who are wealthy will want to hear about how you're building your business. If you're walking with the presence of God, if you're stewarding the Holy Spirit, I can promise you this. You immediately become extremely attractive and it is not because you did your hair nice. It's because there is something upon you that is overshadowing you in such a powerful way that when people look at you, they don't just see you. They see something they need. They see something they want. And they see something that that humanely, like existentially, is on the inside of them that wakes up. What? The dove? Hold, what? I don't even know. I like. I want that. What are you doing? What's what's on your life? What has descended upon your life? What is on your life? Could I have that on my life as well? Could I do that as well? Could I have that? It, it, it's the greatest, most transformational catalyst, and the whole world wants it. They may not know that they need it. But if you just read Facebook for 10 minutes, you'll recognize that this presence of the dove is what the world really needs. Not more principles. Principles are great. But if you come with principles first, then I cannot tell you that you'll have the same attractiveness to the world. Because what Jesus said is he said, I want you to go and do all this same verse of scripture. And then he said this peace be to this house. That's what I want you to say. When you go, I want you to go in the name of peace. Now, do you think that Jesus was like, hey, just go and be like, peace, peace, yo. (laughs) You know, it's not like he was saying, you know, and and chuck the deuce. Right? He was saying peace. What he was saying is, I want you to release that presence that you've been learning to host. I want you to release it to the house. And if there's a person there that wants it, then it's going to land on them. And then it will stay on them, too. And that reminds me, it's like, it's reminding me of Noah and the ark. It's like, hey, release the dove. And if it finds a suitable place to land, the dove is still looking for a place to land. And if we're not aware of the fact that the dove is upon our lives, then we're unable to step into darkness and say, peace. Because you can't release what you're not conscious of. And it will be, you know, reduced to a, Peace in the Middle East, man. Peace is, peace is cool. But you guys get what I'm saying? The world doesn't need another saying. Right? It needs presence. So that's why Jesus said, when you step into that house, I want you to say peace. And then if somebody's there that's hungry for it, if somebody's there who wants it, if somebody's there who's ready to receive it, then what's going to happen? Peace is going to rest on that house. But if not, it's going to return back to you. How many times do you think that the Holy Spirit is having this experience with Christians every single day? How many, I mean, how do you, do you think the Holy Spirit might be having this experience with churches every single Sunday that the Holy Spirit goes out the window, right? And, and he's looking for a place to land. He's looking for a person of peace. He said, man, my heart is open to receiving the Holy Spirit. He said, there's no dry ground for me here. It's just pools of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And I can't find a suitable place to land. There's no olive branches here. All I see is just, it's just, it's flooded. Chaos. And I'm, I'm looking for a place. So when when Jesus said, here, you receive the Holy Spirit, he said, hey, receive peace. That's what I can promise you. There is no way you can fulfill the God assignment on your life with good principles. No way. No way. If you could go to the mission field and you could carry in your back pocket a, a pack of index cards of all the great points that I've made. Nobody laughed at that joke. But here's the thing. It's not going to do you any good. It won't help you as, 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 as much as I would like to say, man, it's going to be, it's going to help you and it's going to be great. Like the only way you're able to fulfill the assignment of God is that's upon your life. And you got to have more than, more than the notes and the quotes and the principles. You got to have presence. Yes. 
You got to be able to host the presence. You got to be mindfully aware of the fact that God is with me. And that makes all the difference. One more verse of scripture. I'm going to read to you guys something that Jesus said. I want to go back to another moment. And uh, you guys remember when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and then he began to show himself by many infallible proofs, the Bible says, that he was in fact alive. And he was spending time with his disciples. And yet there was that one guy named Thomas who always gets a bad rap as the doubter who says, you know, I'm not really going to believe unless I see for myself. You know, I, I want to see the hands. I want to see the hands. I want, I want to see. I want to see his side. You know, and they're hanging out, and they're in, they're in fear, man, because they have been sent out as lambs among wolves. They're afraid of religious oppression. They're afraid of state-sponsored violence. They're huddled up in prayer, looking to the only thing that they have, which is the presence. They're just they're just there, and there's Thomas, and he's like, I know you guys are confessing something, but I. I I'm looking for it too. And then all of a sudden, the Bible doesn't really say how he arrived. It's just he appeared, right? He stepped out and he says, listen, he shows himself. And then he begins to talk to him and he says, hey, peace. There it is again. Peace be with you. This same thing that I've been telling you guys to release, I now give to you. And in that moment, they really needed it. In that moment, they needed it bad. But we can hear those things. If we're not aware of our need, then we'll miss it. So peace be to you. And he said, as the Father has sent me, without anything, as a lamb among wolves, without an extra, you know, pair of shoes, without money. Like, I'm sending you, but I'm not sending you alone. I'm not sending you without. I'm sending you with the Holy Spirit. And when he had said this, get this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now the first mention of Jesus sending his disciples post-resurrection is right here. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now he could have said a lot of things right there. He He could have said, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Now go feed the poor. He could have said, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. Now go preach big crusades. Now, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. Now, go create a community organization, you know, that that helps people. As the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. Now, go start a school of ministry. There could be, there's, there's endless things, but what he says first after commissioning his disciples is the primary objective of the disciple. And this is what he says, receive the Holy Spirit. We can't skip over that. We can't skip over that. Receive the Holy Spirit. If if all we want is principles, but not presence, then here's what we're saying. I want the kingdom, but not the king. But Jesus is what he said. Hey, I want you to receive me now. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. This this has got to be the first thing that we do as disciples. Because the first thing we do as disciples is not to steward resource. It's to steward relationship. That's our primary objective. Not to steward resource, anointing, ministry, good things. Bad. It's not none of that. It's, it's to steward relationship. So I just want to invite you to stand. And here's what we're going to do just for a moment. I just want you to close your eyes and, and let's just do what Jesus asked us to do in receiving the Holy Spirit. Like I, Even if it's just for 60 seconds, 90 seconds, I just want to speak that out over you and I just want to say, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive peace. Some of you guys may even see a picture of a dove descending upon you and resting upon you. God is here. Some of you guys, you may receive the peace that you know you've needed. Maybe you felt like the disciples kind of hiding out, hoping to, you know, 
batten the hatches and bunker down and just sit through the storm and grit and bear it. And then here's Jesus showing up saying, here you go, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive peace. Receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Become a host of the Holy Ghost. Have a constant and continual awareness of the presence of God. If you'd like, you can just practice that real quick right now. Just be mindful for a moment of where God is. God is here. When the world talks about peace, they talk about the absence of something. Conflict, war, violence, injustice. But in the kingdom, peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of a person. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's here. Just just receive. Just receive the Holy Spirit. You can start every single day like this. I promise you, no matter your schedule, you're not too busy. You can start every day like this. You can end every day like this. end with a with an awareness of the presence of God it's an awareness we now as a community we are aware of you Holy Spirit we acknowledge your presence in the room we say Holy Spirit we see you you are here rest upon us help us to be sensitive to the sensitivities of the Holy Spirit Help us to be aware of the things that would allow you to remain and would cause you to fly away. It's not that the love of God's never present. It's not that God would leave you. But it's the hosting of the Holy Spirit. It's the hosting. It's the continual awareness. It's the abiding presence of God. And this is our presence practice. This is something that the enemy is offering to the world, I think, right now. Fabricating what we've received through Jesus. Helping people to learn to meditate and practice mindfulness and empty themselves of everything negative and get all the bad vibes out. But Jesus has created for us an opportunity to do something even greater, which is to receive the presence of a person. The peace of the Holy Spirit. A consistent and continual awareness of where God is throughout our day so that we can release peace, so that we can release God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,